Alright guys, Final Score 2 is back again tonight with a big interview. And guys, if you're my age, or even 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 a little bit older or younger than me, back in, in the day, one of the classic movies, one of the ones I really look forward to watching, even read, I even read one of the books for a book report one year, The Bad News Bears. Uh, yeah, they had the, the trilogy, The Bad News Bears, The Bad News Bears, and Breaking Training. And then the Bad News Bears go to Japan. But I actually read the Bad News Bears and Breaking Train and did a book report on it in like the seventh grade. So uh, my, my English teacher was kind of surprised by that. But with us tonight is one of the original Bad News Bears. I'm talking about the guy that played Rudy Stein. Everybody remembers Rudy. I'm talking about Mr. David Pollock. Welcome to the show, Mr. Pollock. How are you tonight? I'm doing well, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it's an honor to have one of the bad news bads on there. I'm telling you, uh, uh, people my age, especially guys I hung around with, were were big bad news bad fans. And uh, you, you know, you talk. And I'll tell you this: to this day, there is a kid that works where I work. I'm a meat cutter, uh, and uh, I do this on the side. But he he is probably 24, 25. But he can tell you the whole dugout scene where you guys were going to quit. He does Walter Matthau, and, you know, we have to censor some of his lies, but he does that whole speech word for word. So, you know, he, he is a big bad wow. fan. <laughs> yeah. So you're originally from Baltimore, Maryland, right? Yeah, I was born in Baltimore. Um, my mother's family was from California, and by the time I was six years old, was we were living in California, and I've stayed here ever since. Okay, so now I have to ask you: this. Growing up as a kid, were you a baseball player? I played in little league for a while. I wasn't really good at it, um, but I, I played enough, obviously, that uh, you know that qualified me to interview for the parts for the Bad News Bears. Right. But that, you know, being, being a good baseball player wasn't really an issue. <laughs> right. Right. So what? What got you into acting? What age and what was it that got you into acting? You know, I, I, it's something that I had an ambition for when I was younger. I started when I was about eight years old and went to uh, uh, children's theater and you know, started taking some acting lessons and uh, insisted that you know I wanted to do it professionally. And my parents let me get an agent. And my first interview led to my first commercial. Okay. And uh, I just just kept on going from there. I ended up doing about twenty TV commercials, another ten TV shows, and six motion pictures in about nine years. Wow! What what was what was the first big the first big audition? I know the first audition was kind of had to be memorable for you, but with the first big audition you went on. Goodness sakes! You know, my mother kept track of the interviews I went to for a while, and there was well over a hundred of them. And it's hard to say, you know, it's like even with the Bad News Bears, we didn't know that this was going to be a big right. hit movie. We just thought it was going to be a, you know, a fun little summer kids movie that uh, wouldn't get much notoriety. So it, it was surprising to all of us that it took off the way it did. And, you know, and, and honestly, you know, most actors will go through their entire career and not be so fortunate to be in something so memorable. So, you know, I, I feel very lucky that, you know, I happened to trip upon that. Right. So, how did how did that how did that come about? How did you find out about the Bad News Bears job? 
Well, I, it, I had an agent at the time, and she, she signed me up. They were doing nationwide auditions, and that, that's why you had characters with, the, you know, like a, uh, Chris Barnes had a New Jersey accent. Right, and right. We had the Gary Cabanero with a Texas accent, because they, they went nationwide casting for this. My interview was in the back lot of Paramount Studios, and uh, you know, so they were interviewing people out here. At that point, I was a professional actor with a resume, so they, you know, they felt fairly confident in that. And uh, they, they thought I'd fit the part just right for Rudy Stein, which is supposed to be zip-faced kid with glasses that couldn't fit. <laughs> yeah, did, did you feel pretty good about you know your chances of getting that? I mean, of course, you said they, they were, they were. Pr- pretty confident in you but did you feel pretty good going into that audition that you were you're going to get the part no honestly you never know what exactly they're looking for what they're going to say when you walk away so as, as a professional actor you you learn to psych yourself into right. thinking okay you know if it happens it happens if not you know i'll move on and so you don't you, you can't get yourself too invested emotionally because you know, yeah, I was pretty successful, but even even then, I only got maybe one job out of every six or seven interviews. Right, and and you get the call saying you got the part. Uh, that you know, and at the time, you like you said, nobody really knew how big big a thing the Bad News Bears was going to be. Much less the the, the first two movies, the, the trilogy of movies. But getting the call, you know, that you had you had to be pretty excited about that. Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, they, they send a courier out with the contract and the full script, and it, yeah, it makes you feel pretty special. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So you get out your first day on the set. What was it like? Did did everybody out there get along at first day on the set, or was it kind of like a feeling out process? Well, yeah, we we started with rehearsal, so we all sat around a big table and and read through the entire script, um, and and there was some chemistry there. Um, the one problem I had, though, in the original script, the character's name was Lefty Stein. <laughs> and I, I pointed out to our director, Michael Richie, I said, um, not only am I not left-handed, I'm not a very good pitcher with my right hand. <laughs> and uh, Walter Matthau said, hey, well, we'll call you Rudy then. And then and it just kind of stuck. We ended up putting it into the script, and I was Rudy Stein ever after. What what was it like working with Walter Matthau? He's such a legend. I mean, and, and he played he played that part to a T. He he was a perfect fit for for Buttermaker. He did, and and the reason the movie was such a success is because he really enjoyed working with us kids, and and he was kind of a mentor to us. He uh, you know, he taught us about comedic acting and um, worked with us. Um, I remember he told me uh, the secret to comedy acting was. Dude, you never put whipped cream on top of the whipped cream. <laughs> never, never overdo it. But you know, the one thing I do remember from the movie, and, and uh, the, the other cast members remember this too, was there's the one scene where he wants me to go in and get hit by the ball a second yeah. time. Yeah. And I looked up at him with my big brown eyes, which were you know through those Coca-Cola glasses, <laughs> were so huge. And every time I would look up at him, he would burst out laughing, and we. We 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 had to do that scene at least a thousand times before we could do it with a straight face. Yeah, I I, I remember that scene well. Yeah, because you go in, I don't, I, I want to hit, I want to hit. Uh, so what about what about Tatum O'Neill? She was kind of the the superstar coming into to this movie. What was it like working with her? 
Well, Tatum, by the time she did the Bad News Bears, she'd already won an Academy Award. Right. So she was kind of, a, you know, in a class of her own. And uh, she had some friendships with, like, with Jackie Haley and, and Brandon Cruz, but uh, she really wasn't uh, close with the rest of the, of the cast. Right. She had her own trailer, and, you know, she kept pretty much to herself. I, honestly, I got to know her father better than I got to know her. <laughs> he was hanging around the set a lot, too. Now, Jackie O'Haley was another guy that uh, would he, he pretty easy to work with. Oh, yeah. No, Jack, Jackie is you know, it's funny that he plays uh, bad guys because he, he's really the, the nicest guy you ever want to know. Yeah, he, I mean, and Kelly Leak really stood out as, you know, he played, you know, there were so many parts in that movie that, that they couldn't have picked better people for, you know, with Jackie as Kelly. Uh, Walter Matthau as Buttermaker, Vic Morrow as the Yankees manager, and, uh, you know, everybody just fit. Tanner, of course, that, that, that guy really, and, and to, to read up on him, he, it was kind of the, was that kind of like the polar opposite of what, what he was in real, in real life? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny. Um, yeah, it, it, it really was acting because, you know, these, they were all nice guys. There wasn't anybody that was just a you know a mean person and played a mean person on the screen. Right. They're, they're all you know nice people that just happen to be really good actors. And Dick Morrow in particular, you know, he, oh, he yeah. played <laughs> you know Coach Turner, and um, and before that he was um, in a series uh, called Combat, which was like where he right. was like a you know an army sergeant, and he always played heavies. And in, yet in real life, he was really just the nicest guy you'd ever want to know. Yeah, yeah. And he he played that, I mean, because he was real. you know, I just despised him so much. It, it probably had something to do with me disliking the New York Yankees now because I just could not stand the Yankees right there. <laughs> uh, but you, you said yourself you didn't think it was going to be. Did, did you ever imagine that, the, you know, this movie was going to make over $42 million? Uh, no, I we we had no idea, and, and I don't think any of us kids had a piece of the gross either. But Walter certainly did, maybe Tatum. Um, so we we didn't really um, we weren't focused on what the box office was going to be for. Right. But we were surprised at all of the, the hoopla over it, and the you know the you know PR tours we went on, and you know you know seeing our characters on you know larger than life on billboards. That that was pretty heavy stuff. Now, how how was it when you went back home after the success of this? Where you know, where people like people that you hadn't seen before had all of a sudden they're your best friends. Well, yeah, no, I, I was so I went to Montclair High School, um, out uh, kind of in the, uh, the eastern suburbs of Los Angeles, and uh, yeah, no, I I was definitely the talk of the campus when when I was uh, in the Bad News Bears and. <laughs> And I was in the drama club, and I had, you know, any part I wanted, they, they let me have. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Now, another thing I found out doing this research, you're the sponsor for the Bears, Chico's Bail Bonds. Now, is yeah. it true that that was an actual company? That's my understanding. I never uh, verified that, but I I, I think uh, Bill Lancaster was the writer, and I, I think he... He pulled that one out of his experience, as, as a lot of the script was, and that confuses people because there's actually a there's a park in West Los Angeles called Bad News Bears Park, 
and a lot of people think that that's where the movie was filmed, then that's not true. Right. That's actually where uh, Bill Lancaster played Little League as a kid, and uh, the inspiration came from there for the Bad News Bears. Okay. So, I, I, I've heard this over the years, and maybe you can verify it, maybe you, you, you're, you're supposed to keep your lips sealed on this. Was there an alternate ending where the Bears win and uh, beat the Yankees? Yes, we, we did, in fact, film that because they, um, the production company wasn't entirely sure how the audiences would respond to the, you know, the climax and the team losing at the very end. As it turns out, they had nothing to worry about. But just in case, we filmed an alternate ending where we won. Wow. And we kind of that lived it because it really wasn't in the script. But we, we filmed that just in case. And it's got to be in the Paramount film vault somewhere. I'd, I'd love to drag that out sometime and take a look at it. Yeah, you know, what What year was this that this came out? Was it 75 or 76? It was this, uh, April 1976. So, you know, it's... It's 30... I would have figured that, you know, a special a special DVD release of an anniversary, we'd, they'd have an alternate ending in there. That that might be something Paramount needs to work on. I would love to see the alternate ending of that. Uh, when you go... Yeah, I actually made a, I made a proposal that uh, Paramount lent out their video library to a, another company. Uh-huh. Um, actually, I think it was Warner Brothers at the time. That, uh, and I made a pitch to them doing a 40th anniversary release with, you know, with a Blu-ray copy of uh, the Bad News Bears and some do some extras, and we were going to film, uh, you know, a documentary to go with it. And oh yeah, unfortunately, that and I would have, I think, it would have totally sold. But you know, that the, the box sets you don't see so much anymore because everything's transitioning to the streaming now. So it's uh, the, the industry is changing too fast. Right. Uh, you know, I'd love to see. You know, somebody should do a documentary on on you guys now. Get you know, if it's nothing but. I think that would be a good ESPN 30 for 30, where the bad news bears now. Uh, that that would be something everybody would love to see, especially guys my age. Now, did they plan a sequel from the start? When you guys went into production for the first one, were there already plans for breaking training? Um, I don't think so, but it, it wasn't long. And once they saw the success of it, they mobilized pretty quickly and contracted um most of us to uh, do a series movie. So I, I was under contract to um, do breaking training, and then they had the option of uh, picking up two movie options after that. So it was a contract with um, one movie and options for four more. Oh, wow. And they actually did pick up the, they picked up the first option after breaking training to do uh, J- the Japan movie. Yeah. Um, and the fourth, the fourth movie was supposed to be Bad News Bears Go to Cuba. And uh, my understanding was they were going to bring Walter Matthau back as a coach, and they were trying really hard to see if they could get Fidel Castro to be the coach of the Cuban team, which would have been a whole lot of fun. Yeah. But, you know, after the movie, they realized that they they really, the chemistry wasn't there anymore, and they they were pushing it too far. Well, what what happened, uh, coming back from Breaking Train, I remember uh, watching that, and and see it. what caused was it contract negotiations with Mathau that caused him not to come back for the second one? You know, I, I never got the details of that. I don't know if they even 
talk to him about uh, being in the, the second one. I was always, you know, we, we knew it was going to be Bill Lancaster all along. Um, I, I do understand that there was, um, that Walter did go back at Paramount saying, hey, wait a minute, you're, you're starting a whole franchise here based, uh, you know, partially on, you know, my name. And, and there was some sort of a uh, dispute over that that they settled. Right. But, um, yeah, that, that's the only thing that I heard. So you, yeah, you get a you get a few new guys that come in. Of course, William Devane plays Kelly Leak's dad, who becomes the thrown together manager when you guys get to Houston. Probably, and and people people look at me sometimes, and people that like the Bad News Bears movie, especially Breaking Training, to me was it just I'd say entertainment wise, it was just as good as the first one. To me, I can watch both of them. Anytime I want to, but Breaking Training, I think that was probably, uh, especially with me doing the book report on Breaking Training. That, like I said, I got some funny looks from my English teacher on that. But Breaking Training was just one that I I can remember forwards and backwards. But William Devane comes in. How how was William Devane to work with? Oh, he, he was wonderful. All, we all loved him. He was he was uh, laid back. He's you know easy to work with, and he he didn't mind at all working with us kids. So that it. He was able to pick up some of that chemistry that we had with Walter Matthau and keep the franchise rolling. And we also had a, a very young director uh, by the name of Michael Preston who really uh, worked well with us also. Of course, one of one of the iconic scenes from that movie, people still talk about it. And uh, a matter of fact, I heard it not too long ago, is, is in the Astrodome when they call the game off early, the letting them play chance start. And, uh, you know, everybody gets on the field. And you guys, with Tanner running around and with the guys chasing, that was probably one of the best scenes of the whole movie. And you, Tatum O'Neill doesn't come back, but you guys get a guy named Jimmy Bayo to come in and take take her place. Uh, was he kind of like the hot kid star at the time? Well, uh, his, his cousin Scott Bayo. Oh, yeah. But uh, Jimmy wasn't doing uh, too bad either. Uh, he was in uh, a, a series back then called Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. And, right. Uh, so he he was pretty well known. Yeah. As yeah, somebody I'm I'm not not in touch with. You know, Jimmy, if you're out there somewhere listening, give me a call. I'd love to catch up with you. Yeah. You know what I was, and, and the more you talk about your pitch to Paramount, I I'm thinking, sitting here thinking, I would love to see to get all you guys together. Everybody still. Still uh, living, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We're all around. I mean, you know, it's, it's, obviously Walter Matthau is, is not right, right. Yeah, I would love yeah. to see a bad. That would be great to see a, a bad news bad room. Well, what was it like getting to play in the Astrodome, though? Did you, you know, that? I mean, even even though it's a movie, though, to get to to play under in a place like the Astrodome to film there, that had to be kind of cool. Oh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, we had the Astrodome to ourselves for a week. So, we, you know, in between scenes, we would go exploring the catacombs of the, the whole stadium. It was just a huge place. Yeah. Another another change in, in Breaker Training was uh, Engelberg. Engelberg, the first Engelberg was gone, and then you bring in another guy. What what was the guy that played Engelberg first? Was he just uh, not ready to do to do a whole sequel or something well no and his, his name's gary Capniero. Right. he feels he, he tells the story too that after the bad news bears he lost a considerable amount of weight because he was 
real, they were really oh. concerned about his health. And they uh, they wanted to bring him back, but on the condition that he gained the weight back, and he decided that his health was more important exactly. than his uh, acting career. Exactly, and of course. So they, they brought in a, a, a guy, uh, Jeff Starr, from Anna, Illinois, uh, came in and took his place. And you know, you know, those both of those guys fit Engelberg so well. I can't decide which one is my favorite one out of that because they, honest to God, when I first watched when I was a kid, I didn't really know there was a difference. Until I got older, that's when I, I said, you know, that's not that's not the same guy. But yeah, yeah. And then, and well, then, that was that was the only the only change out that we did from the original cast. Right from the, for the second one. Then you had Brett Marks. And one of the things I did not know, and I always kind of wondered about the little comment the catcher made in the break and training movie when he was up to bat, and when he says, we got one of the Marx brothers up here. And I'm like, what the heck does that have to do with anything? But then, you know, doing some research and find out, uh, Brett Marx is a grandson of Milton Gummo Marx, great nephew to the other Marx brothers. Was that kind of just a throw-in for, for, for the movie? Yeah, I, I've heard that story too. I don't believe it's true. <laughs> Brett, Brett says that it's not. It just uh, happens, you know, to have the same last name. As oh, the really? Same actors. Yeah. Wow. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of different. I, I know you can't believe everything you see on Wikipedia, but there's some other uh, venues out there that say the same thing too. Wow. I'm kind of kind of bummed about that. So then you guys decide to make Bad News Bass go to Japan. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And, of course, there's, what was it, I, over half of the originals are not in that movie. Uh, you were one of the originals in that movie. I know Kelly. Uh, but what, what, made, what made the uh, the others not come back for that movie? Well, I think there were five of us left at that, that time, um, including Jackie, Brett, Mark, who's still in it, Aaron Blunt. Um I, I think that at that point we we had dropped Chris from the cast, and uh, I I never got uh, straight stories to what that was about, but they just didn't um, they, they just couldn't agree on contract terms. So, um, but I, I think Chris Barnes was was he, was he the only one that we dropped at that point? Yeah. I'd have to go back and do a comparison. But yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I, he definitely. Yeah, and and you know, did did you feel? Did you guys feel like it just? I know you kept saying about you lost the chemistry by then, but you know, losing losing guys like Chris Barnes and and and, and other guys, did you just feel like the chemistry was just gone then? You were just kind of. Did you have a good feeling about the movie after you got through filming? Well, the, the camaraderie was still there. I think the cast uh, still got along because we'd known each other for a number of years at that point. Um, but working with uh, Tony Curtis was a lot difficult. Tony was not used to working with kids, right. uh, and he had his, he had other issues as well. And we had a new director, John Barry, who also was not particularly um, <laughs> well suited to working with kids. Uh -huh. he, uh, he he had a, a much much different style, and it just it just did not work. In fact, we ended up coming home a little bit early and filming some uh, of the Japanese scenes in the back lot of Paramount Pictures. Uh, just uh, keep the production going. Yeah, and, and you, all, you you said they had a you had an option for a fourth movie, but that never came to light. It, the Cuba movie that would have been interesting there if if Matthew would have came. Out. I think that would have would have kind of 
uh, brought some new life back in, into the Bad News Bears franchise again. And maybe, I hope, maybe you could have got some of the some of the originals back on that too. What were your What were your thoughts when the Bad News Bears TV series came about? Um, that, that was kind of an interesting concept. I remember Jack Plugman was in that, I believe. Yeah, and uh, I we didn't know any of the kids, and none of the original movie cast members were in the TV series. Um, but yeah, we, we didn't know much about it, and the series didn't last very long, as I recall. No, it didn't. Uh, there was there was some actually some soap opera stars, I think, from uh, that that went on to be soap opera stars. Uh, Christoph St. John. There was a, another girl that was on. Young and Young and the Restless that that were in that short-lived show. What were your thoughts when they decided to do the reboot with Billy Bob Thornton in two thousand five? Well, I remember when they were filming that, there was a lot of talk about them bringing back some of the original cast members as kind of you know extras in the stands as the parents of the the new cast, and uh, nothing ever came of that, which kind of surprised me. I thought that would have been really cool for them to have that connection to the original movie, but they. They just never got around to it. Yeah, and you know, I would think they that would that would bring more publicity to that. You know, because I to me to me, and I I watched it one time, and I was not that big of a fan of the reboot. Uh, just didn't feel the same, and it, it kind of got you know with some of the stuff in there that kind of went a little, like too ridiculous with it. Uh, with you guys, well, I, I always thought that it was, it was more, uh, you know, sequel of Bad Santa than Bad News Bears. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. The whole Boilermaker thing went a little too far, and, and you know, just some of the some of the characters didn't didn't feel like, you know, and I know it's a reboot, but it didn't feel like the original. And you, it, it, there's no way you're going to get the same chemistry as the original had. But what did, what did you do? Uh, you stayed in acting after after the Bad News Bears. After you got through with that, did what kind of films did you do after that? Well, I, I did for a little while. I, I did a few small things after that, but then I was getting to be sixteen, seventeen years old, and and uh, eighteen year olds could take my parts. And uh, California has some pretty strict labor uh, laws around children. One of them being we could only work four hours a day. Right. So um, it's, so it, it got kind of tough there. You know, parts were hard to find at that age. And I, I took an interest in flying. So I, um, you know, from uh, during one year period, I took a lot of my acting money and I uh, became a certified flight instructor. I started teaching right. flying to other students out of Santa Monica Airport. And that, that eventually led to uh, a, a job with um, an airline called Flying Tigers. Um, and that led to um, a job with Rocketdyne, which at the time was working on the space shuttle and space station program. Wow, wow that's pretty impressive. There. So, are you you still in touch with the, with any of the guys? Oh yeah, no. In fact, we uh, we got five of us together a couple of years ago with the, for the 40th anniversary, and we uh, we actually put the movie up on the big screen again and. Uh, had you know, uh, people come and pay to, to see it, and then did a Q and A on the stage afterwards, and and that that was uh, that was actually pretty exciting. It was the first time I'd seen the movie on the big screen since uh, it, it originally came out in the nineteen seventies. Right. Uh, that see that I'm saying I'm saying as iconic a movie as the Bad News Bears is, there should be something. You know, there should be a reunion. I'm, I'm sorry, some of these guys. You know, I think about it. I hadn't really seen like Toby. 
uh, Ogilvy, you know, do you ever get into contact with somebody like Ogilvy, for instance? Do you ever hear from him? No, yeah, no, I've, it's Alfred Letters, his name. I've stayed in touch with him over the years. Um, and he, he hasn't made it to any of our uh, attempted reunions. I think five or six of us is the best we've ever, you know, gotten the, the cast back together. But no, he's definitely still in touch. He just he has a very uh, busy and lucrative career, so it's been kind of tough to get him together with us. Yeah, it's, and and just some of the guys, Aaron Blunt. I know you said you were you stayed in touch with him, uh, but Chris Barnes. What have, do you ever hear from him? Yeah, I talked to Chris um, before. He's he's kind of reclusive. You know, he's he's uh, publicity shy, so he doesn't like to get involved with right. uh, any of these reunion things. Um, but, no, he's, we're, we're definitely still in touch, and, and he's, he's doing well in life. In fact, I, I think he's doing some work behind the camera now for some film productions. Wow. Wow, that's great. So, so what are you doing? You, am I understanding you're, you're into some kind of politics now? Well, yeah, this started when I was uh, working at Rocket Eye, and, I, uh, and my kids started going to school. I ran for the local school board. Uh, and I uh, uh, did that for a number of years. I ended up being president of the California School Boards Association, uh, representing about a 1,000 school boards across the state. And then uh, when I stepped down from the school board, um, I ran for city council. I've been on the city council in my little town of Moore Park out here in California since then. Okay. That's, pre- that's pretty cool. So, but look, I'm not going to take up any more time. I'm just telling you what an impact that, that you guys have had. Uh, you know, like I said, I could go back. I probably will go back right now and watch, watch at least uh, the first two movies. I and to be honest with you, and I'll, I'll be frankly honest with you, I've never sat through the whole Japan movie. I'm sorry, I just I can't do it. But yeah, well, you and me both, I can't sit through it either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we agree on that. But thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. It's been it's been a, a real honor to be able to interview one of the bad news bears hopefully you know i'll hear back from some of the other guys and i can i can get some of the other show and hopefully we can have a bad news bears reunion sometime soon that that would be awesome well thank you for your interest steve and it's been fun talking to you all right thank you so much you that guys that's david pollock thank you so much mr pollock and have a great night my pleasure you too steve take care all right guys that was david pollock on the final score